Hello everyone and welcome to Shot Reverse Shot, a film and television podcast in which we talk about a theme which changes from episode to episode. My name is Edwin Davis and joining me this week through the miracle of satellite technology, it's Emily Benita. Hi Emily, how's it going? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks Ed. How are you? Very similar to how I was when we finished the last episode because uh, a little peek behind the curtain for people here, we're pre-recording this one because uh, we won't be able to record together for a few weeks so we're doing kind of a, a little mini-sode uh, ahead of time. So as was uh, as a result of that, there's not going to be any news, and we'll just jump straight into our uh, our topic. Uh, and also, is... that's why I still sound ill, because hopefully by the time <laughs> this is out, I will be back in rude health. <laughs> yeah, if you were still that sick after a few weeks, then that's definitely reason to be concerned. Although it would also be fitting, considering that's how long those sort of illnesses would last in the uh, the time of Little Women, the movie that we're discussing this week. We're, we're going to talk about... Greta Gerwig's adaptation of the Louise May Alcott book, which you and I have both seen and uh, we thought it'd be fun to talk about because it's a kind of a big movie. It's done very, very well here in the States and I think it's doing very well just in, in general everywhere it's playing. It's getting great, review, great reviews. It's It's been uh, fairly uh, successful at the box office. But you and I are both a little bit cooler on it than than most. I did not to the sense that we're both going to sit here and say, oh, this movie's trash. How dare... How dare Greta Gerwig make uh, a new version of Little Women? But we uh, we both, I think, have have similar concerns with some of the the choices that are made into the movie. I thought it'd be interesting to to talk about what our kind of relationship to the text is, but also you know what what we feel about this new version. Um, I talked about it a little bit in the best of the year episode because it was on Matt's uh, top 10. So I will uh, cede the floor to you, Emily, if you want to just talk a little bit about uh, this version of Little Women. Yes. So straight up, I am a huge fan of the 94 version with Renona Ryder, Susan Sarandon, Kirsten Dunst, Claire Danes, Gabriel Byrne, among others. Mm. And I know that Greta Gerwig would be more than aware of that version and the audience that she's playing to. I think, and again, like, this is it. The film is not trash. I think it's a really interesting film precisely because there are some parts where it really nails stuff and other parts where it's, I'm just baffled as to why that choice was made. Mm. First things first, I don't really see how the change of structure from quite straightforward chronological linear progression to something that is a little bit chopped up and seems to be kind of based on Joe kind of coming home to see Beth and the story of their upbringing being told within that flashback. Don't see what that did for it at all. And if anything, I think it risks taking the resonance out of a lot of the moments, like, sorry guys, spoilers, but if you've not read the book or seen the film, you know, turn away now. But Beth, Beth's recovery being structured right before her death, mm. I don't really see the point in that. Like, we have we have cinematic techniques, we have the resonance, like, they're all those shots and compositions are brought together. It just, it really baffled me because then it gets to a point sort of towards the last act where we don't really have any flashbacks at all and we stay within mm. the progression. And I found that much more engaging than 
jumping around. Um, and also I think it makes, it means that I understand that maybe it's essentially Joe's story more and her kind of reminiscing is part of the inspiration of her sort of realising like, oh, she wants to tell their life story. And if that's kind of, we're introduced to her as a struggling writer from the off rather than a quite ambitious and precocious girl. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with beginning from the beginning. I just don't see what, it's it's hard to see what this structure change really added to it. Mm. Yeah, that was exactly the sticking point for me, that, that Beth's death and having her recovery from her previous illness play out at the exact same time, for me, was just this thing that I I just it just didn't work for me at all and I think like the the idea of it of you know they use the exact same shots for both her you know Joe running down the stairs both times but having them play out simultaneously it robs it for me it robbed the sense of relief and joy of her getting downstairs and seeing Beth you know there you know up you know out and about and then it also because you know you know she survives because she's yeah. ill seven years later. And then it also robs some of the impact of her death because it's just so immediate. You don't uh, uh, you don't really have the time to kind of really kind of sit with it. And a more linear telling for me of that story, just it just fundamentally works because you spend so much time with these characters and Beth being sick and then recovering and then, you know, being healthy for, for a few years afterwards before becoming sick again and... And succumbing to it is just this fundamentally kind of like heartbreaking thing because you do get to see people live with that sense of, oh, you know, she survived this, you know, maybe she'll survive it again. Whereas in this, because they're playing out simultaneously, it just kind of feels a little rushed in that moment. I think the broader idea of maybe having like the movie play out in flashbacks and, you know, start with her going home is... A fundamentally fine idea if you're you know a lot of people who love the movie and who have written about it talk about it as a movie about the point at which memory and art kind of intersect and you know reminiscence as the and trauma as kind of like the seeds of art in some ways and i like i like that idea but just there are just certain moments of execution just that for me just didn't work particularly well and and at best it kind of makes for there are these nice little juxtapositions where oh uh joe is looking out the window and she sees beth and or she's like seeing something that reminds her of something in the past or whatever but like a lot of the time it just doesn't feel like that stuff works too well and like you i also found the largely linear back half of the film to be more involving than the first part when it's jumping around so much exactly and i think it also um puts um the sort of love triangle between joe amy and laurie out of whack because we see laurie mm. um proposing to amy without us seeing him being rejected by joe so we don't really mm. fully understand his motivations or what he's been through and it just seems really just the resonance is lost it de it feels the, the way I described it was it kind of felt like in some respects a little bit cheap in the sense that they 
uh, that Gerwig seemed to be trying to jump to the big moments of the book without necessarily putting in the work. Yeah. And, you know, jumping forward and backwards in in the chronology kind of facilitates that in a major way. And like I say, I think that's, that works for, you know, the, the, the angle of it being about, you know, memory or whatever, but it also, I think, short changes some of those relationships. I don't think you gain very much by seeing who Meg, that, you know, oh, Meg marries the tutor or whatever, you know, that early on, or, oh, Amy got to go to Europe with with the aunt instead of Joe and Joe really wants to do it you know because when Amy announces later at uh at Meg's wedding I'm gonna go to Europe you're like we know we know. we've seen you in Europe for like half of your scenes and yeah it's just it's just very weird it really um deflates a lot of those big moments and it feels more like a movie that's made with the intention of thinking, ah, you all know this story anyway, so we'll just kind of like jump around, which is 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 like a fine approach, but for me, it like it did kind of rob those moments of a lot of their power. Same, absolute same. And I think you're right. Kind of, it feels just a bit gimmicky to me, and I think I almost want like a memento style DVD extra, where mm. if I put in the right combination, I'll get the Easter egg of having it all in chronological order because I do think that edit would just make it a resoundingly better film. Yeah, because a lot of the other elements, I think, are like just wonderful. Like It's got some amazing performances. I think Florence Pugh, in particular, is great as Amy. Even though it is very weird seeing her play the character when she's meant to be 12, and Florence Pugh doesn't is not necessarily that convincing as a 12 year old. It's kind of like a weird Billy Madison style thing where she just seems like a definite adult surrounded by children, but also, but you know, that aside, I think that her burning Joe's manuscript works really well because of her, her performance and that real sense of like childish vindictiveness that, you know, really comes through. And I think that she rings a lot of sympathy and empathy and humanity out of a character who can because of that act and because she gets to do all these things that Joe wanted to do, it can be so easily just like portrayed as just an out and out villain or as a character not really deserving of sympathy. Yeah, I think just Amy blew me away. Like Florence Pugh is so excellent at bringing her up to date and I think Mm. in a more plausible way rather than being this kind of like quite naive meek kind of character she is incredibly she she has like full desire she full desire and full insecurity and is playing on what she has and I think the dynamic between Amy and Joe is so refreshing in this Mm. um in that they are each other's kind of worst enemies but best defenders and will understand each other at certain points in ways that no one else can yeah but yeah florence Pugh is absolutely remarkable as amy like managing to be like incredibly funny and really moving at various different points and saoirse ronan is is a great joe as well obviously she had worked previously with greta gerwig in ladybird where i thought that she was was really great as well and she's obviously an actress who has done phenomenal work over the last you know, like she's been working pretty much consistently since uh, Atonement. So, you know, that's 13 years ago now. And she's just one of those people who's just 
always so uh, so compelling on screen and uh, like like um like say her dynamic with Florence Pugh and that real sense of sisterly connection and the kind of by turns kind of loving and antagonistic relationship and the sense of just how deeply siblings can hurt each other um, I think really really comes across in their performances absolutely and I think it's inspired casting because they do all look related and Mm. particularly Laura Dern anytime Laura Dern is with Sasha Brennan you're like oh you are absolutely mother and daughter yeah and the major point for me came when you know 20 minutes in I was not having a great time then Laura Dern shows up which is basically exactly the same as what happened with me in Marriage Story um so Mm -hmm. I think the 20 minute Laura Dern turning point is something that you know if that's there I'm I'm sticking with you for the the duration of the running time but I every bit of little woman uh the the bit of little women and the railway children that will always get me is the the father's return Mm. and I was sucking myself up and I started to feel the tears come um as you know everyone's spilling stuff all over the place and then I made this weird honking laugh as I realized it was Bob Odenkirk as um, (laughs) Dr March and he's brilliant he has this kind of slightly in the same way he has the sort of same influence as Tim Heidecker in Bridesmaids does that Mm -hmm. it all looks kind of normal on the surface but you can't help but feel there's something surreal bubbling under I would like a spin-off of Mr. and Mrs. March the newlywed years with Bob Odenkirk and Laura Dern. Get the uh, the Irishman team on it for the de-aging, knock them back a, a few years and uh, you got a you got a green light. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I also, in terms of the depictions of marriage, I really enjoyed the short scene of Tracy Letts's publisher and his wife, where they're just having like a like domestic discussion where he's she's saying like, why don't you ever ask about my mother? because like i because i don't care you know how she is and she says why well, always ask her after your mother and he's like yeah and i don't know why it's <laughs> just like this really weird Absolutely small hilarious. quiet little scene <laughs> i i really enjoyed them and uh tracy Letts also is just like he's uh such a, a wonderful presence in any movie he's put in like it's been really nice seeing him pick up more and more character roles over the last couple of years one thing i did really like about this version is how um the uh, professor friedrich uh, who in in this version is played by louis garel who mm. i think is has been intentionally cast younger to try and make things feel a bit less icky but i love yeah. I, I adore gabriel byrne in the 94 adaptation what i do like though is that and maybe this is a benefit of the structure i'm not going to give it too much credit cuz i think it's still it's less to do with the non-linear structure and more to do with how much precedence and screen time he's actually given in the 94 version a lot of joe's writing is seen to come to the fore because of the support of friedrich whereas Mm. in this version it's very much under her own volition through her own grief through her own decision to be like i'm going to write this book i'm going to write us this is for beth um so i liked that joe had more of an ownership over her own writing and also her development of that writing i think that mm. and that and that we end essentially like the great romance is joe and her writing because she gets to hold her book mm. and they rejoice in what life they have left but again all all coming towards the back end where 
things, you know, cause and effect and things, things follow each other um, in the way that they would have actually happened. But I do yeah. think that's the sort of main point is that Gerwig has brought this up to date in that it is more about the concerns facing young women. I mean, we, we have now, like, this is a millennial cast, right? And mm-hmm. even though, obviously, this is an old-timey tale, what Gerwig has brought out, which I think is very canny, is this emphasis on, do you marry for love or do you marry for economic security? Can, can marrying for love ever work out? What happens when you are essentially waiting for old, horrible relatives to die because they're <laughs> holding up where you could live? What do you do when you are surrounded by conflict on all sides? When you've been brought up and your values are to put other people before yourself, how do you give yourself permission to want what you want? How can you, mm. how can you balance wanting a life for yourself with trying to look after people who are really in need? And I think that's the thing that's so brutal about Beth's death in any version is that she's the one who's trying to carry on um, looking after people. And because she, because she did, she dies, you know, she, Mm. um, the lack of medicine and the advances then that's just one of the consequences. And I think it's, it's interesting to think, God, you know, how, I think there is a little question of how far have we moved on? I think someone on Twitter made mention of the fact that I think the sort of money that Joe gets for a short story is actually not far off what you do now <laughs> as, a, yeah. as a writer and the royalties haven't really changed. I'm like, God, what, what even is progression? What is it advancement? Like maybe we're not, you know, doomed to die. Like if we catch, you know, there's antibiotics and stuff now, but how much have we actually moved forward? And are these just concerns of any young woman's life, regardless of the, era that you're living in so Mm. those were things i found quite compelling for sure yeah and i really liked the i also think that the structure benefits in introducing the doctor so early on because it does at least give a little more of the grounding for him and joe getting together which always seems in other adaptations always seems like a really abrupt thing that happens just at the end where you can like okay, I can I understand that these two have like a dynamic with each other previously, and so it, it comes a little less out of left field. One of the things I really liked about it is I really enjoyed the relationship between Beth and Laurie's grandfather, played by Chris Cooper in this version. It's just because he he can be and is so often cast as craggy evil characters you know he has like a certain menace to him but most uh so much so that you know he was basically cast as the embodiment of evil in the muppets <laughs> where he, he just constantly says evil laugh evil laugh it was so nice to see him playing someone who's just so fully decent but so hurt by the death of his daughter and just so you know just like someone who has kind of uh, sealed himself away a little bit and so has this reputation for being this kind of like weird creepy or weird kind of like angry old man or whatever and to see him play someone who's just so loving and supportive and you know there's that wonderful scene where he's told beth that she can come and practice on his piano and she goes and sits down and he just sits on the the stairs and listens to her play and the impact that 
her death has on him later as a result of that relationship. I thought all of that stuff was just so, so uh, beautifully handled and was uh, among the more affecting things in the uh, in the movie. Uh, although I do feel as if, again, because of the jumping around, they don't quite establish well enough this idea that he's just kind of like old man who's sealed away there's more just kind of like oh he's just in the movie and he's really nice yeah (laughs) whereas like i think other other adaptations do at least kind of give a little more time to the the reason why they would think he was this like you know the, the stereotypical coming of age old man who just kind of like lives on his own what did you think of uh timothy chalamet as laurie um a real like again sort of millennial king um i think there are certain moments Mm -hmm. particularly when he kind of spirals into his excess where he's really endearing and i think he plays off amy particularly well and i think and again this is the thing that just irritates me about the structure i think the sort of redemption of laurie as but i'm the nice guy but i've i've loved you forever therefore my feelings trump however you feel and you're wrong actually tim being like no i think you, you were right all along um you know, didn't have as satisfying an arc as it could have done if it were an actual arc rather than just, you know, a ball chucked up into the air that then immediately comes back down again. Yeah, I think there are moments like I kind of giggled at his walk. Mm-hmm. Just sort of like he had a weird sort of like swagger um, when he and Amy sort of bump into each other in um, in the gardens in Paris. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it's nice that, you know, he can actually speak French and, and there's something quite plausible about him being, you know, an American, European aristocrat. And there are bits that really annoyed me, like the way that he and Joe dance outside mm-hmm. of the outside of the big dance, and they're just kind of doing this weird, quite modern aping about. I was like, stop trying to be charming. This isn't charming. This is contrived and odd. So that made me feel, you know, grouchy. Not that I'm not grouchy on mm. a certain kind of base level anyway. Um, it just brought it brought it closer to the surface. And I have to say, I think Christian Bale did such a good job in the 94 version. And I think because he was just more sympathetic, whereas I think Timothy Chalamet actually does very well with being quite an unlikable Laurie mm-hmm. in in terms of like his his character swings between being quite decent and then also maybe he's just kind of infiltrating because he wants to get close to Joe and he's doing kind of sad eyes and man pain. But again, yeah, his redemption doesn't come yeah. through as, as fully as it could, I think, because then he he and Amy are then rushed a bit towards the end, which is a real shame because I think it's so it makes so much sense that they end up together, rather him and Joe, mm. and that doesn't quite come across. The dance I was reading the other day that I think that scene was, when they were filming it, they were dancing to uh, a David Bowie song, and that kind of made me think, well, if you were going to do that, you should have gone, like, whole hog and made it like you know marie antoinette or whatever um if you're going to have them doing this modern dancing sort of thing then maybe have it kind of be to a modern music and be about you know the universality of the experience of youth and this kind of like rebelliousness that they're feeling or whatever i think yeah having having them do it does feel like i'm not a stickler for historical accuracy but it does feel out of step with pretty much everything else in the movie which you know yeah. is modern in its approach but doesn't like have any of those other moments that really feel as if they're kind of breaking with the the period trappings the rest of it all kind of feels appropriate 
The other thing that I found a bit jarring is we're sort of introduced to Joe selling a story and then sort of not, and then her legging it down the street in a very, well, it's quite an on-the-nose Francis Ha reference, isn't it? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I found a bit, it's barely five minutes into the film. I don't know how I feel about sort of self-referential stuff, particularly when we all sort of know that you're, heavy identifying with Joe March, Greta Gerwig. Yeah, it's... There's a lot of hits in this film. And it's not to say that I didn't have an unpleasant time. Like, after the first sort of 20 minutes, I did manage to sort of sink into it a bit. But I felt, like, quite suspended and a bit distant from it because of this weird choice with the structure. But then it's not to say the performances weren't great. Um, the costume design is wonderful. I don't think there's enough appreciation um, mm. of it. And, you know... Emma Watson is kind of tidied away, but I think she does a really good job. Um, you know, Meg never gets much focus in any adaptation because she doesn't have as much of an arc as everyone else. But I think it's quite sweet that mm. she calls her daughter Daisy after her her own nickname of that wonderful night she has out on the town. I think there's a a sort of bittersweetness to that. Yeah, and I really like, in terms of her performance, there's the moment when she's standing on the stairs and she does this kind of, like, nervous little laugh, which is also highlight- highlighted in the uh, in the trailer. Yeah. And it's just this, like, really wonderful, human, unguarded thing, which I think the rest of her performance is, is, is mannered because the character is very mannered and very concerned about, you know, propriety and things like that. And it is really, it's really sweet that she's given that little moment. Absolutely. And I think that's it. Like Greta Gerwig can find these really special moments. And I think that's it. Like it's a great moment where Laurie's just being more of a snob than Meg is because he's, he's judging her from his point of view, thinking that she's being shallow or inauthentic, whereas actually she's just having fun. And I think there are those moments which mm-hmm. Gerwig plucks out really well. But it is an uneven film overall. It's not perfect. And I just think it's beyond, we should be beyond, oh, it's great because it's a woman writer-director and it's a mainly women cast. That's just patronising. Like, we need to base each film mm-hmm. on its merits. And this isn't quite the bold feminist um, reboot of Little Women that I thought it was going to be. But it still gave me a lot to think about and there's a lot worth like in it. And it's interesting that Gerwig fought so hard to do this. And apparently she might be doing a musical next. So I'm, I'm into that. I'm into Greta mm. Gerwig bringing more, like having moved from being sort of like an indie mumblecore queen into big adaptations that will appeal to a mass audience like i mean i'm not a fan of this phrase ed but that's a heck of a glow up isn't it Mm. (laughs) yeah and also as as a lot of people have pointed out there is such a weird alternate reality sliding doors thing for her career where you think that if the spin-off of how i met your mother that she was originally gonna star in until the pilot didn't get picked up had been picked up and like run for five or six years or whatever like her career and her uh footprint on 
you know American cinema of the certainly for the last sort of five or six years uh, would be drastically different, uh, possibly non-existent, because uh, if you're doing a, a sitcom, you don't really have much time to write kind of like achingly lovely uh, semi-autobiographical romanoclefs or you know to to take your take a stab at one of the great works of american literature yeah she could have just been in lola verses and variations thereof Mm. Uh, so it's nice to see that she has definitely moved far beyond that and and like you um there were so many little moments of this movie that that really worked for me that i kind of i come out generally very positive feeling towards this movie even though i think like the overall construction of it um doesn't quite work for me it's like a um it's like a not particularly well sequenced album where you're like every song on this works really well i just wish they were in a they were in a different order like when you you know play revolver on shuffle and it's like oh none of these songs are really meant to sit next to each other in this order totally i mean there's bangers but put it on shuffle uh, okay, so that's uh, the end of our little mini-sode discussion of of Little Women. Uh, we won't do recommends this week other than go and watch the 1994 uh, Little Women directed by Gillian Armstrong, a very, very good movie. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Spotify, all the usual places, raters, reviewers, and recommend it to your friends. It's the best way to help us grow our audience. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, where we are at SRS underscore podcast. We'll be back next time with something entirely different, but until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.